Good afternoon. It is my privilege as the superintendent of the Aspen School District to welcome the graduating seniors, family members, guests, and faculty to this very special occasion. As educators, parents, and community members, we partner with the class of 2019 in celebration of this joyous day. Henry David Thoreau, an American poet, philosopher, and author, of one of America's most celebrated works of literature, Walden, speaks in the final chapter of his passion for self-reliance and personal introspection while criticizing conformity. Thoreau stated, if a man does not keep up with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. As you graduate from the halls, of Aspen High School, know that the school district and all present stand with you and acknowledge that you are ready for the next great adventure in your life. And don't forget to step to the music which you hear, however measured or far away. It's now my pleasure to introduce Aspen High School principal, Mr. Theron Mulberry. Ladies and gentlemen, students, faculty, distinguished guests, it is my very special privilege to address you at the 130th commencement ceremony for Aspen High School. These fine students from the class of 2019 have contributed greatly to the tradition of excellence in our community, and this class is a proud representation of the best Aspen has to offer. I'm sure they will continue to honor their community as they go forth and become contributors to this world. It is now my pleasure to introduce our platform guest, 
Audience, would you please hold your applause until all of our guests have been introduced, and to our platform guests, please stand when your name is called and remain standing until all have been announced. Dr. John Malloy, Superintendent. Mr. Duane Romero, President of the Board of Education. Sandra McMillan Pierce, Member of the Board of Education. Susan Marolt, Vice President of the Board of Education. Sheila Kennedy-Wills, Member of the Board of Education. Dr. Susan Zimmett, Member of the Board of Education. Dr. Tom Hild, Assistant Superintendent. Mr. Craig Rogers, Principal of Aspen Middle School. Heather Abraham, Director of Special Education. Jenna Barclay, Curriculum Director. Sarah Strasberger, Assistant Principal. Neil Katyal, Commencement Speaker. Josh Barrow, Counselor. Charlie Lobby, College Counselor. Melissa Lustig, College Counselor. Lauren Reese, Counselor. Tamira Wilson, IB Coordinator. And Martha Richards, Athletic Director. A special thank you is extended to our platform guests. We appreciate that you came this afternoon to honor our students at this commencement ceremony. There is another group of exceptional individuals I would like to recognize. Their hard work and dedication to academic excellence have supported the accomplishments of our graduates here today. Will the faculty and staff of Aspen High School please stand and be recognized? At this time, I would like to have a special recognition for our rec retirees. Mr. Chris Wheatley, 33 years of teaching, stand, 33 years of teaching, 14 at Aspen High School. Mr. Andre Willie, <laughs> 30 years of teaching, 16 at Aspen High School. Thank you, retirees. Another retiree recognition I am honored to announce is for Mr. Craig Rogers, principal at Aspen Middle School. Craig started working at Aspen School District 23 years ago. His last seven have been in administration, two as an assistant principal, and five as the principal of Aspen Middle School. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Good afternoon. My name is Nicholas Galumbos. And my name is Mary Tarver-Reed. We get the exceptional opportunity and honor to introduce the student performances for this ceremony. Now we have a performance by Ashley Springer. She'll be singing Sign No More by Mumford and Sons. Thank you.
The class of 2019 is a diverse group of hardworking students. From talented musicians to gifted athletes, we are driven to make a positive difference in our community. Fortunately, our commencement speaker is someone who makes a difference every day, not only in our community, but in the world. Neil Katyal is a professor of law at Georgetown University and has previously served as the acting solicitor general of the United States. He has argued 39 cases before the Supreme Court, with 35 of them being within the last nine years. He was one of GQ's Men of the Year and is a frequent visitor to our hometown of Aspen. At the age of 49, he has already argued more Supreme Court cases in US history than any other minority attorney. He's appeared on virtually every major American news program, along with Stephen Colbert and House of Cards, where he impressively played himself. 
Neil Katyal has had an impact on our entire country and thus was rewarded the Edmund Randolph Award, the highest civilian award given by the U.S. Department of Justice. So, with that being said, please welcome Mr. Neil Katyal to the stage. Thank you, Josh, and uh, may it please the graduates of the Aspen High Class of 2019. Um, to the students, it's really an honor to speak to all of you. You've worked so hard for this day, and it's a day you'll always remember, and to be a small part of it is a real pleasure for me, and that's particularly so in this year, because I know you all have had loss and heartbreak. Um, I know outsiders can come here and be well snowed by the natural beauty, um, but I know it's been a hard year for you from the Lake Christine fire, which forced some of you and some of your teachers to evacuate their homes, to the death of Sam Coffey and Mike Gurney, a recent graduate and your lacrosse coach, respectively. So look, we don't have long, and I know the last thing you want to hear is some lawyer drone on. So I'm gonna just tell you four stories, each with some kind of lesson. The first is to be yourself. The way you think, the way you act, the faith you have, the way you deal with problems and have found solutions, keep in mind it's gotten you this far. You don't have to be a different person. And I think you can really get into trouble sometimes by trying too hard. I remember a few years ago, I had this friend of mine, he graduated from law school, he decided to start his own practice. And so he opens his practice, and the day he opens it, I go over to hang out with him and keep him company since he didn't have any business uh, at that point. So we're just kind of lounging around in his office as he's settling in. Now, a couple of hours pass, and then there's a knock at the door. So my friend jumps out of his chair and whispers to me, this is it, this is my first potential client, watch this. Now, he had bought this really big fancy phone. It had like a hundred different features on it. It had four lines, he's one guy. There's four lines though he had. Um, and he picks up the receiver and he gestures to the door and he says, come in. And just as this woman from the outside is opening the door to come in, my friend starts yelling into the phone and he says, I won't settle this case for less than $500,000. And if you think I'm bluffing, just try me because when I go to court, I win. And he slams down the phone. And he then says to the woman, I am so terribly sorry. What can I do for you? The woman without missing a beat, hi, I'm here from AT&T. I'm here to connect your phone. Okay, that's a made-up story, but, but here, here are three real ones. The second story, maintain your integrity. That's easy to do in the abstract. It's very hard to do in a world when you feel like your peers and others are getting away with things. When you feel others are rigging the system, whether it's in college admissions or investments or in sports or anything else, it's much harder to stay true. And this lesson was brought home to me very poignantly here in Aspen. Um, it was my very first trip here in 2005. I was a law professor, I was basically broke, and Aspen was really way out of my price range. I mean, literally, I ate at McDonald's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm a vegetarian, but I ate at McDonald's. Um, 
And I'd been invited by Jerry Goldstein, a lawyer in town, to speak at a conference. And, and I, well, I fell in love with this place. Everything from the mountains to the fun vibe of this town. Now, I had this old pair of ski boots. They were, I think, made out of leather or something. I bought them in Whistler like the decade before. Um, and they did have a custom orthotic because when I was in Whistler, I found some coupon for an orthotic, and I bought that. So anyway, so I'm in Aspen 10 years later with these boots. And by the end of my second day, uh, my toenails are black and blue, and it's hideous. And so I asked people who to see, and everyone said, oh, there's a man to see. His name's Jim Lindsay. I'm sure many of you know him. He's at the base of Highlands. So I go to the base of Highlands. I show Jim my toes, which are not a pretty sight. And I say, please, just fix it. Whatever you need to do, I'll buy. My orthotics are crap. My boots are even worse. Now, at that time in my life, I knew very little about skiing or boots. And I was prepared to spend $1,500 on the boots and orthotics. I called up my credit card company. Please extend my credit limit or whatever so I can do it. So Jim works, looks at my toes, looks at my boots, and so on. He's like, yeah, you need a new pair of boots. I'll sell you this for $300, half price. But then here's the remarkable thing. He looked at those orthotics, and he said, you know, these will actually do. You don't need me to make something new. And I was shocked. I looked at him. I said, look, I'm, buy I'm ready to buy new orthotics. And he said, you don't really need to. That's $500 that you don't need to spend, even if you're some fancy banker. And he said, I don't know what, what the heck you do in your day job. But whatever it is, you don't need it. And I then said to him, you know, you could have really taken my money easily. And he said to me something back. And this is what remains of this long story. He said, I know. It's just not the right thing to do. I know it's just not the right thing to do. And I think that a lot, about that a lot, because in our lives, we often possess information that others don't have, and we can use it to take advantage of other people. I mean, Jim obviously had it. I knew squat about boots or orthotics. He knew a ton. He could have easily sold me this stuff, and I would have come out super happy. And he didn't because it wasn't the right thing to do. And you can be sure, ever since then, I bought every single pair of boots and anything else I can from the guy. Um, but I want you to think about that lesson. Act with integrity. It's the right thing to do, and it pays dividends. Third lesson, go out in the world and stand for what you believe. There are so many inspiring examples about this right now. You see them, the Parkland kids, Malala, smaller acts of courage occurring every day, and I know with many of you. For me, the story I want to tell you is about one 18-year-old guy, a guy named Gordon Hirabayashi. So after the bombings of Pearl Harbor in World War II, in World War II on December 7, 1941, um, FDR basically issued an order that excluded Japanese Americans. It kept them away from the coastlines. Ultimately, curfews were imposed, and then the forced relocation of 120,000 Japanese Americans from their homes just on the basis of their skin color. So a few brave people wanted to challenge this scheme. My favorite is this guy, Gordon. He's 18 years old. He is where you'll be next year. He's a freshman in college. And he looks at this scheme and says, it's obviously wrong. It's obviously evil. And so he goes and he violates the curfew order. He stays out all night or until like 3 a.m. He goes to the FBI and says, hey, my name is Gordon Hirabayashi. I'm a Japanese-American. I've never been to Japan, but I know under the order you're supposed to arrest me. And they look at him, they say, have you ever committed any crimes before? He said, no, I'm a Quaker, I'm devoutly religious, I'm not going to commit any crimes. And they said, well, in that case, it's your first offense, go, go home. He then says, 
no, you know, my religion, my, Quaker, my ver version of Quakerism is I have to resist an unjust law, but if I committed some violation of the law, I need to face the consequences. So the FBI says, what, you want to be arrested? And he says, yes, arrest me. So they arrest him. They put him in a trial. And he defends himself at the trial. And he says, this is, I did it. I broke the law, but this is an unjust law. That got nowhere in the court. And so the judge says, you're going to be convicted, and you're going to face a 60-day sentence. And he said, the, the statute, the laws, require you to serve that sentence in a prison camp. And the closest prison camp is 1,000 miles away in Tucson, Arizona, because Gordon is, in, is a student at the University of Washington in Seattle. So Gordon says, well, what do you want me to do? Well, the judge says, look, I don't have money to send you there. We're fighting a war. I'm not going to send you pay the government taxpayer money for 1,000 miles to bring you down. Gordon says, don't worry. I'll get there. I'll get there myself. And Gordon hitchhikes the 1,000 miles to Tucson to serve his sentence. Because even though he thought the law was unjust, he also thought it was his duty as a citizen to, uh, to, to, to serve his sentence. So he gets there, and this prison camp is like 30 miles outside of Tucson. He hitchhikes lots of different drivers, gets there. He gets there late at night, and he goes to the warden, and the warden says, who are you? And he says, I'm Gordon Hirabayashi. I'm here to serve my sentence. The warden says, I've never heard of you. you don't, I don't know who you are. And Gordon says, here's the story, blah, blah, blah. And the guy says, well, look, I have no papers for you, so you can just go. You don't have to serve your sentence. Gordon goes through the whole thing. I'm a Quaker. I got my duty. It's my duty to serve uh, you know, a sentence on just law. The warden then says, okay, um, come back tomorrow. He comes back tomorrow, and then he starts serving his sentence. And Gordon then brought his challenge all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. And some of you, I think, know a little bit about this story. It's a case called Hirabayashi and a case called Korematsu. And uh, the, the story, though, is incomplete in the history books, uh, unfortunately. Because what happens, actually, is that the government lawyer, the Solicitor General, my predecessor, uh, defended himself, defended the Japanese internment by essentially suppressing evidence and lying to the Supreme Court. So, uh, and Gordon knew this, and that's why he was doing it. He knew there was nothing uh, wrong about Japanese Americans as a whole, that sure, there may have been some people who were loyal to, uh, to the Japanese government, but that you don't, in this country, take people just on the basis of their ancestry and lock them up. And so, I say this to you, not just because I'm a lawyer, but I obviously am. I say this to you because I think you do, at any age, have the power to change history. Act on your beliefs. Don't just sit on the sidelines. It's really easy to do so here in this beautiful town. But there is an ugly world out there, an ugly world that needs you. And finally, fourth, self please self-consciously steel yourself against envy. We spend a lot of time thinking about the evils of greed, but I want to focus on a different evil, envy. And this is the last story I'm going to tell you. It's a true story. It happened in that rival town of Alta in Utah. And I was privileged to be part of a small conversation of people. And um, there were two men in particular that were leading this conversation. And they could not have been more different. One hailed from New York City. He was a brilliant billionaire. He find, founded KKR, the, one of the nation's leading private equity firms. And his name is Henry Kravis. And the other 
is a guy from across the country, from New York. He's from California, and he's a pastor, the leader of the largest church in America. And he was charismatic and savvy, and you'd think when you met them both, they'd have nothing to do with each other, nothing in common. And yet, both of them, within a few minutes of each other, said exactly the same thing. This was a totally unscripted moment, but they said, letting go of your envy is the most important thing in your development and happiness. And as I look around 25 years after I graduated, I think the most telling predictor of who is happy and who isn't is who has their sense of envy in control. Many bad decisions come from envy. If you're always trying to measure yourself up to the next person, you'll never attain happiness in yourself. There's always someone else who has something that you don't have. Find and push yourself to get what you need, not what others need. And this isn't quite the opposite of envy, but I think about humility a lot because humility is what allows you to bond with others who don't have all the things you have. There is no more powerful human connecting emotion than humility. And my last piece of advice sounds hokey, but it's about family. For almost all of you, your sitting here is the product of hard work. Not just your hard work, but the hard work of your mothers, your fathers, your grandparents, brothers, sisters, uncles, friends, teachers, and others. And if we could, I'd like to ask each of you to give a round of applause to all the folks out here who have supported you. A while back, there was an interesting piece in the New York Times about happiness uh, by David Brooks, and he was describing the Harvard class of 1938. It was a class that had JFK and a bunch of other stars in it, and a group of scientists studied the graduates of that class of 1938 throughout their lives, and they had everything going for them, and yet many of them remained profoundly unhappy. Despite their wealth, despite their power and fame and glory, many drank themselves to death. Others committed suicide. And the study found that the folks who were happy, truly happy, were the ones who had friends and family behind them. And I think about that a lot too, because whatever professional accomplishments I've had, nothing comes even close, not even to a for a millisecond, to the pride and joy I take in my marriage and my three boys. And now, I know I've tried to stay away from cliches, but there's one I hope you'll forgive me from using, because I think it's always proven true time and again. And that is that the greatest opportunities come out of the biggest challenges. I know right now it doesn't feel like that. And sitting here, it's impossible to anticipate what your challenges are going to be. But be true to yourself, act with integrity, steel yourself against envy, and be devoted. And by doing that, and by using what you've learned here over the last four years, out of those challenges, you'll create the opportunities of a lifetime. So thank you so much for having me. Congratulations. Now we have another student performance by Brooke Leibinger, accompanied by Sophia Chase, Clara Maxwell, and Tate Randall. They will be performing Always Remember Us This Way by Lady Gaga.
The International Baccalaureate Program is an academically rigorous program taught in schools around the world. To be a full IB diploma candidate, students must excel in six rigorous prescribed subjects, a theory of knowledge course, write a 4,000 word research paper, and commit hours to creativity, activity, and service. At this time, I would like to recognize the following students and ask them to stand as I call their name to be recognized for this outstanding achievement. Benjamin Appleby. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to say, would you please hold your applause till I announce everyone? Nicholas Barlazzini, Elizabeth Becker, Chloe Bretman, Sophia Chase, Zoe Kramer, Mason DeBuff, Emma Ellis, Nolan Fari, Nicholas Galumbos, Tyler Green, Alexander Elick, Dylan Johnson, Morgan Leisure, Sarah Miller, Arnold Muasa, Bliss Puckla, Tate Randall, Jaden Richardson, Sophia Springfield, Sabrina Turberty, Joshua Ufelder, Pascal Wojcik. Ladies and gentlemen, your IB Diploma Class of 2019. I would li also like all the students who participated in the IB program to stand and be recognized. 
Thank you. This year, we are continuing with a tradition at Aspen High School that involves a special recognition of our top students academically. At this time, I would like for Sophia Springfield and her parents, Joy and Steve Springfield, to join me at the podium. Sophia represents the graduating class of 2019 as the co-salutatorian of Aspen High School. She was a recipient of the Aspen Cancer Conference Award and the Aspen Scholar Award. Sophia will be attending CU Boulder where she will study biochemistry. Ladies and gentlemen, please show your appreciation for Aspen High School's 2019 co-salutatorian, Sophia Springfield. Hello, my name's Sophie. Thank you again to friends, family, and faculty for joining us on this special occasion. And to my fellow graduates of the class of 2019, in the words of Post Malone, congratulations. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, I moved here to Aspen at the beginning of my junior year. Although I did not have long at Aspen High School, I am incredibly grateful for the many experiences and relationships that I have gained in the past couple of years. I want to take a moment to thank my teachers who have taken special interest in caring for each one of their students and imparting more wisdom than just what can be found in the textbook. I want to thank specifically Megan Noonan for teaching me how to problem solve and be creative in my work, Kim Hammond for being incredibly passionate about her teaching and making sure that everyone always understood even when Nick and Noah had accidentally slept through the lesson, <laughs> Serena for demonstrating what bravery and strength looks like to all of her students and giving us life skills that will serve us for many decades to come, and Tamara Wilson for being my second mom and most importantly, for showing Cole Peterson what an A-minus looks like. <laughs> I would also like to thank the faculty, Theron, Sarah, Melissa, Kathy, Suzanne, Charlie, Danielle, Josh, Lauren, and of course, Anne in the front office, who is always there with a smile when I explained to her that there was no cure for my chronic tardiness. Most importantly, I would like to thank my family, who is always there for me and has taught me not to take life too seriously, especially my father, who my mom often refers to as circus boy. <laughs> I stand here before a crowd of professionals, 
world travelers, and overall very accomplished people. I don't feel very qualified to be giving you a speech today to teach you about life. Many of you have already followed your dreams and learned from experience, while I am only 18. So today, I will convey to you wisdom not from my own experience, but from the words of many others that I found online. <laughs> Throughout high school, like many of my fellow overachievers, I spent the majority of my time studying at the expense of many other components of my life. You know that party you went to on Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, well, I wasn't invited. <laughs> not that I would have gone. I was in my room studying, of course. You may be wondering, Sophie, why were you still studying in May? College decisions came out long before that. Some of my very own teachers had the same question. Thank you, Sarah Benson, for worrying about me. To be honest, I wondered the same thing. Why did I care what my grade was in English in the fourth quarter of my senior year when all of my other friends had already checked out? My dad recently made me watch a documentary about Mr. Rogers. I was very skeptical at first, as I didn't think that there would be anything to learn from a man who spent his life singing to children and playing with puppets. Boy, was I wrong. Mr. Rogers may be one of the wisest and most loving people to ever live. Now I know if I ever have a life problem, I'll go watch Mr. Rogers, and I advise all of you to do the same. What Mr. Rogers told me in this situation is it's really easy to fall into the trap of believing that what we do is more important than what we are. And I believe this is exactly what was happening with my obsession over grades, both in the last few weeks of May and throughout my entire high school experience. I had fooled myself into believing that a specific achievement of getting all A's would give me a greater value or make me happier. And this just isn't true. Every one of us has aspirations for the future. And while these aspirations to achieve certain things are by no means bad, I would like to remind all of us that our achievements alone can never really fulfill us. Knowing this, I think it's important to always check our motives before diving into a new experience. Many times we achieve things out of a personal need. Maybe we want to prove to ourselves that we are capable. Maybe we achieve because we want to prove to others that we are capable. But maybe, and this is the most dangerous motive, we achieve because we're trying to overcome an insecurity of the past that made us feel unworthy. However, if any of those three things are our motivation, then the accomplishment in and of itself will never be satisfying. We cannot expect the root problem to be solved. As Mr. Rogers said, as human beings, our job in life is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us really is. That each of us has something that no one else has or ever will have, something inside that is unique to all time. This means that you don't have to do something amazing to deserve love and attention. You already deserve it just because you are simply you. If you don't thoroughly understand this, your achievement will never really bring you any happiness. Therefore, we must first realize that we are good enough and be confident in that. Only after this realization occurs may we truly do something that is meaningful to us and appreciate it for what it is instead of using it to fill in one of our own missing pieces. This is what I have learned this year, that achievements are great, but that I cannot use them to replace accepting myself for who I am and try to justify my worthiness through them. I have learned that I am already loved and that I don't need to prove anything to anyone. It is with this belief that I am now truly able to enjoy this day and stand up here in front of all of you knowing that if this has gone horribly wrong, I am no less of a Sophie. I'm still me and I'm still worthy of love. 
As everyone in the class of 2019 goes off to college or careers, those around us encourage us with words about what we will achieve. However, as I firmly believe, these accomplishments do not determine your value. You are innately unique and deserve to be loved and celebrated. Do not be discouraged by your mistakes or failures, and remember that what you do does not define you, and it certainly does not determine your value. In the words of Mr. Rogers, you don't ever have to do anything sensational for people to love you. Thank you. Good afternoon. At this time, I would like for Joshua Olfelder and his parents, Anne and Mark, to join me at the podium. <laughs> Joshua represents the graduating class of 2019 as co-salutatorian of Aspen High School. He is an IV diploma graduate, an Aspen High School scholar, and recipient of the World Languages Pace Setter Award. Joshua will be attending Columbia University, where he will study sustainable development in an effort to balance progress with environmental conscientiousness. Please show your appreciation for Aspen's class of 2019 co-salutatorian Joshua Olfelder. All right, who's having fun out there? Great, all right. I feel so fortunate to be representing the class of 2019, but I wouldn't be here today without the unwavering support of teachers, administrators, and faculty. Aspen's teachers inspire us to challenge our own thinking and have made us into the people we are today. Thank you to my parents for demonstrating a strong work ethic. Mom, you work hard to make a difference in the world, and this has most definitely rubbed off on me. Dad, your creativity, humor, and worldview have influenced my thinking and will serve me well. And my brother, David. <laughs> You've challenged me with your wit and competitive spirit and your curiosity is contagious. And of course, thank you to the class of 2019. You've inspired me, supported me, and each of you has made a unique contribution to our class. Throughout our high school careers, we all developed particular interests. Some of us are really passionate about robotics like Claire Mitchell. <laughs> Others of us, like Alex Bice, you really identify with the Communist Party. <laughs> 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 
Now, I want this speech to be relatively inoffensive, so I'm sticking to the interest that I developed, politics. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do at two in the morning is educate myself on the state of politics in the United States. I spend hours browsing through YouTube videos. Of course, no journey to YouTube is complete without a brisk scroll through the comments section. Surprise, surprise, the further I scroll, the sadder I get. Everyone is pushing their individual agenda and they're willing to wield the English language in a very colorful manner. I try to brush off the vulgar and unpalatable comments as if they are the handiwork of Russian trolls. But after a quick investigation of the YouTube channels and people from which these ill-mattered re remarks have emerged, it's easy for me to fall into a minor bout of depression, as the commenter is not Vlad from Stalingrad, but rather Ron from Tucson. <laughs> the divisions in society seem more prevalent today than any other time, and expand much further than the world of politics. Discussion over any topic does not seem to reflect that of a civil debate but rather mimic the essence of political arguments I would share in elementary school. As second graders, during the 2008 election, we would make it our responsibility to deliberate on politics, naturally. In my class, there were 15 students of a certain political leaning, and the two other students were of a different political leaning. It was less of a discussion and more of an ambush where we dogpiled on those two kids for thinking differently. The exchange centered more around the color of the parties than any real policies. Students would select sides based upon how their parents or friends identified, and the desire to be part of a group was more important than coming to our own conclusions. Today, it seems that those in high-ranking positions take the approach to discussion that we did as second graders. While we can forgive second graders for their immature decision-making, our leaders should be held to a higher standard. The conversation must revolve around ideas, not sides. Now, however, it seems there is little consideration for the arguments of the opposing side. Other valid perspectives are ignored or deliberately misconstrued for the sake of sticking with your team. Consequently, we're failing to move forward. I think we can address this polarization by being transparent in what we believe and opening ourselves up to criticism. We need to create a landscape where open discussion is encouraged. You must be willing to put yourself out there. Share what you believe. My fellow classmates and I have had the unique opportunity through the experiential education program to reflect on and share our challenges and successes. Often around a campfire, we express our thoughts on a week of new friendships, overcoming fears, and for some of us, self-induced constipation. It takes bravery to put ourselves out there, but it's essential to our learning and our understanding of each other. By sharing our experience, we find a way to relate to people with whom we normally wouldn't connect. We need to keep this mindset of vulnerability and openness with us throughout our lives. And even adults who don't participate in the ex-ed program should try to maintain this attitude. But to create, an effect, to create an effective discussion, there must be some desire for feedback. We should want people to poke holes in our arguments. Thus, we come to reasonable conclusions or agreements. Next, we need to actually listen to each other. It can be difficult to hear someone with a different opinion than you without being defensive. So, as you listen to someone, be in that moment. Try to understand where they're coming from, because making judgment before words even come out of their mouths 
is no better than eight-year-olds choosing their preferred political party based on a color. It's especially important to ask questions. Engage with that person. Try to get them to dig deeper into the motives of their argument. Not only will you allow them to better understand themselves and the basis of their beliefs, but it also allows you to question your own beliefs. The class of 2019 is in this super awesome position where we get to take the reins. As we move on to new challenges and experiences, it's important that we try to find common ground now more than ever. As much as I love the internet, it's not always the proving ground for intellectual thought and constructive discourse that I'd like it to be. Case in point, the various viral challenges that pop up every few months. People film themselves doing stupid stuff and uploaded it to the internet in an attempt to get their slice of internet fame. The cinnamon challenge, nasty. Salt and ice challenge, wasteful. Tide pod challenge, delicious, but, but harmful. <laughs> but I'd like to suggest a challenge for good. I propose the perspective challenge. As we move on to various careers, educational pursuits, and experiences, I challenge us to talk to people with whom we disagree. Just sit down with someone and be vulnerable and willing to share your beliefs, but also be willing to listen to that person. Try to empathize with them. Ask questions. I think you'll find that you have a lot more in common than you think. Remember, people are good. While engrossing myself in the current state of politics at 2 a.m. and finding myself in a minor depressive state, I turned to Google's Year in Search 2018 video. I know a two-minute advertisement for a mega corporation that knows everything about us doesn't seem like the most heartfelt of experiences, but let me tell you, they used all of our collective search data to calculate exactly how to exploit human emotions. It's perfect. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. I cry nearly every time I watch it. The video reflects on all the events, people, and trends that were important in 2018. It highlights sentimental moments like soldiers coming home to their families, revealing the inherent compassion in all of us. It also reminds us of the influential lives we lost last year. Stephen Hawking, Barbara and George Bush, John McCain, and of course, Sophie Springfield's dog, Ruby. Rest <laughs> in peace. But what got me the most was when they featured Anthony Bourdain. His quote really stuck with me. Life is good. The world is filled with people doing the best they can, who love their kids and would like to live their lives with little dignity and hope, just like everybody else. Take the perspective challenge, be vulnerable, be transparent, listen, and empathize. Thank you. We have a performance by the Aspen High School Choir. They will be singing Seasons of Love by Jonathan Larson.
At this time, I would like for Cole Peterson and his parents, Jenny and Chris Peterson, to join me here at the podium. Cole represents the graduating class of 2019 as the valedictorian of Aspen High School. Cole is a National Merit Finalist, a National Elks Scholar, an Aspen High School Scholar, and the recipient of the Snowmass Village Community Foundation Award, the Student Leadership Dan Van Domlin Award, the Aspen Cancer Conference Award, and the Science Paysetter Award. He is also a four-year varsity member of the Aspen Swim Club. Cole will be... <laughs> Cole will be attending Harvard University where he will study neurobiology and the pre-med program. Ladies and gentlemen, please show your appreciation for Aspen High School's 2019 valedictorian, Cole Peterson. Hello. My name is Cole Peterson, and um, if you're wondering, yes, I did get an A minus. Um, quarter two of theory of knowledge, but it's okay. <laughs> All right. Good afternoon, and welcome once again to the families, faculty, administrators, community members, and most importantly, to my fellow graduating seniors in the class of 2019. 
I'm incredibly honored to be giving this speech today. The basic purpose of a valedictory address is to provide insight into life's challenges and triumphs while simultaneously instilling wisdom through thoughtful advice. And at the bare minimum, I should reduce every one of you to tears, either due to hysterical laughter or a heart-wrenchingly beautiful message. Unfortunately, I have no legitimate qualifications, other than this snazzy blue big boy bib, of course, <laughs> to be giving advice of my own. So I will have to appeal to a higher power, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> and through her stand-up comedy, hilarious talk show, and work in film, she has inspired us to create a kinder, more generous world while showing us the power of positivity and good dance moves. The, the first Ellen lesson that I would like to share with you is that we should all find time to procrastinate more. In one of her more famous sketches, Ellen describes the human tendency to work hard now in order to save time for later. She reminds us that we don't know if we will get a later and explains that the only time we have is here and now. In high school, I was overly focused on the future. I spent too much time in the library and at my desk, and not enough time with my friends or going on crazy adventures. Even more reason why I should be giving you advice about life lessons. <laughs> I set deadlines for when I could be happy in the future without realizing that happiness happens in the present. We are all extremely busy, and while there is undeniable value in setting goals for the future, remember to pause and find time for joy now. To quote John Lennon, life is what happens to you when you're making other plans. Try not to get caught up in what you will do and procrastinate a little bit more in what you are doing. Essentially, as influential rapper and scholar Sage the Gemini says, slow down, grab the wall, wiggle like you're trying to make your fall off, gas pedal, gas pedal, gas pedal. Skirt, all right, but I digress. You are all probably aware by now that I'm a rather strange kiddo, but I don't mind. Mostly because I have a microphone and you don't, and I really enjoy this power dynamic, but also because I don't much care if I make a complete and total fool out of myself. This leads me to my next Ellen lesson. I had to keep those there the entire time, so. <laughs> Don't be afraid to embarrass yourself. <laughs> Ellen stars in the classic cinematic masterpiece Finding Nemo as Dory, a lovable fish who suffers from short-term memory loss. In a way, however, this memory loss is her gift. She's not afraid to risk embarrassment by being her genuine self because she'll forget, she'll forget about it in 10 seconds. While being yourself might not necessarily mean that you forget everything that happens in 10 seconds, it does mean that you try to see the bigger picture. In the long run, the only one who really cares that you tripped up the stairs or spelled midday with a hyphen in the fifth grade spelling bee, <laughs> hi, <laughs> which I did, is you. As long as you are trying to be your authentic self, don't let the fear of embarrassment get in your way. Additionally, whoever this authentic self of yours is, I implore you to incorporate kindness into that person. 
Remember that everyone is going through more than you can see, and even something as simple as a smile can make a monumental difference. Find your inner Dory and know that what counts is staying true to who you are while acting with kindness and compassion. Let go of how other people choose to see you, embarrass yourself, and no matter what, be unapologetically you. I can't talk about Dory without talking about her iconic lesson of perseverance. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Ho, 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 I love to swim when you want to swim, you want to. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Unfortunately for you all, I am not an opera singer, but as you can probably tell, I am a swimmer. I, along with my friend Davy Brown, dedicated many years to early morning practices, dry lands, meets, and thousands of hours of training. And after giving 100% effort every day for all these years to the sport that I love, I came up short in most, if not all, of the goals that I had set for myself. Haha, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't be swimming in college, I never qualified for junior nationals, and I often miss time goals by significant margins. <laughs> At one point, I became so frustrated that I wanted nothing more than to quit. I eventually had to take a break, and when I came back, I decided to try a new approach. I stopped putting as much emphasis on achieving arbitrary goals and started trying to appreciate the work that I was putting in. I focused on becoming a mentor and a better teammate rather than on my own individual achievements. I didn't stop working hard, but I stopped using the outcomes of races as the sole measure of my success as a swimmer. Perseverance is not always about achieving a goal, but embracing an experience despite failure. As Teddy Roosevelt said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, and who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Remember that whatever challenges you may face in the future, failure is acceptable, complacency is not. I urge you all to dare greatly, and if you fail, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. I'm sorry, I won't do that again. <laughs> Although Ellen is a wonderful teacher, we must thank our amazing faculty for devoting their lives to our education. Whether we were cracking up over a hilarious math meme with Megan Noonan, trying to channel Tamara Wilson's godlike energy before a test, having a very nearly existential debate with Mr. Reed over the intricate differences between alpacas and llamas, <laughs> trying to match Jen Ben's energy or even being asado, roasted by Reggie, our teachers were helping us to become compassionate, lifelong learners. And even though we were occasionally told fun little lies like, you can do it in IB Physics, thank you Mark Whitley, <laughs> or this fictitious book about outer space and a war with Mars was meant to be analyzed by high school students for its deeper religious and societal implications, love you Serena, namaste. <laughs> It all contributed to us becoming critical thinkers equipped to solve problems creatively. Thank you to all of our teachers for your patience and love over these 13 years. I would also like to take a moment to offer our gratitude to Tenille Folk and her unbelievable kitchen staff for feeding us over the years, and Jose Solis and the incredible janitorial staff for cleaning up our messes. 
We are so appreciative for your contribution to our schooling. Next, thank you to all of the families who have come to support us as we finish this chapter in our lives. Parents, although we may not say it enough, we truly appreciate the sacrifices you have made for us along the way. To my own mom and dad, thank you for your unconditional love. You were always your authentic selves and you obviously taught me to be myself. <laughs> your humility, humor, positive, and positivity are inspiring and I hope I turn out to be half as amazing as you are. <laughs> to my sister Grace, I have never met a more genuinely kind, humble, intelligent, and beautiful person, and I'm so proud to be your brother. Thank you for all of your support, and I love you. And lastly, to my classmates, I want you to take a moment to be legitimately proud of yourselves. Not only are we celebrating our accomplishments today, but also who we have become as individuals and a group. Each of you behind me brings uniquely extraordinary characteristics to our class. You will not meet a sweeter person than Chloe Bretman, who can make anyone's day just by smiling at them. Charlie Camp, oh, go. <laughs> Charlie Campisi will constantly crack you up and his endlessly positive energy is contagious. Tyler Green slays on the lacrosse field and never fails to provide a new, insightful perspective on the world that you hadn't considered. Sierra Reeves will drop everything she's doing to be there for you in an instant and is one of the most trustworthy people you will ever meet. And my guy Donovan Bronstein is more shredded than any of us, both physically and mentally, but you wouldn't know it because he is enduringly humble. There are more wonderful people here than I can possibly talk about in my limited time, but please know that I am so grateful to have grown up with such an intelligent, athletic, kind, funny, and truly fantastic class. I will take the lessons that you have taught me wherever I go. Speaking of which, I would be remiss if I did not write one last cheesy Dr. Seuss-inspired poem. This is based on Oh, the Places You'll Go. I've creatively entitled my poem, Oh, the Places We'll Go, and no, that's not plagiarism, because as you may notice, I changed one of the words. <laughs> Here it is. In the grand scheme of life, there must always be change. And right now, as we move on, it seems rather strange. But do not have fear, for we venture together, all sharing a bond, an unbreakable tether. Yes, the road will be rocky, paved with mistakes, but we'll find ways to succeed, no matter what it takes. On the way, there'll be ups, and yes, also downs, but when you find that you're down, get up, look around. You may very well find, though it may not seem so, that the lows are the best spots from which you can grow. So get up when you fall, choose to grow from the low, don't stay stumped, persevere, be strong and let it show. Through the crests and the troughs, through the dips and the peaks, we will find in ourselves that which makes us unique. So use what you find, use what makes you unique. Be the friendliest friend or the geekiest geek. 
So use, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. And don't waste your time trying hard to blend in. Stand out and be great. Do it proud with a grin. Measure your life not in material wealth. Measure in joys, loves, and friendships, and experience and health. For life is much more than the dollars and days. Life is what you make it in your own special ways. So go out in the world, embarrass yourself, have fun. Take with you your childhood and all you have done. Go wherever you go and make wherever place better. And wherever you go, go be a go-getter. Be true to yourselves in all that you do, because from here on out, pals, your life's up to you. So let's soar to our peaks and not fear the valleys. Let's march proudly forward on our trails, roads, or alleys. Dr. Seuss said it best, as I find he tends to, and perhaps his advice can help both me and you. We have brains in our heads. We have feet in our uh, fins and shoes. We can steer ourselves any directions we choose. We're all off to great places. Today is our day. Our mountains are waiting, so class of 2019, Let's get on our way. Thank you. Now we have a performance by Sophie Springfield and Davy Brown, accompanied by their fathers, Derek Brown and Steve Springfield. They will be performing Have It All by Jason Mraz. Suspiciousness and causes of success. May you have the confidence to always do your best. May you take no effort in your being generous. Sharing what you can, nothing more, nothing less. And no, may you know the meaning of the word happiness. May you always lead from the beating in your chest. May you be treated like an esteemed guest. May you get to rest, may you catch your breath. And may the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrow. Whoa. May the road less paved be the road that you follow. Whoa. Well, here's to the hearts that you're gonna break. Here's to the lives that you're gonna change. Here's to the infinite possible ways to love you. I want you to have it. Here's to the good times we're gonna have. You don't need money, you got a free pass. Here's to the fact that I'll be sad without you. I want you to have it all. Oh, I want you to have it all. I want you to have it. I want you to have it all. May you be as fascinating as a slab bracelet. May you keep the chaos and the clutter off your desk. May you have unquestionable health and less stress. Having no possessions, so immeasurable wealth. May you get a gold star on your next test. May your educated guesses always be correct. May you win prizes shining like diamonds. May you really own it each moment to the next. And may the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrow. Whoa. And may the road less paved be the road that you follow. Whoa. Well, here's 
gonna break Here's to the lives that you're gonna change Here's to the infinite possible ways to love you I want you to have it Here's to the good times we're gonna have You don't need money, you got a free pass Here's to the fact that I'll be sad without you I want you to have it all you to have it all. I want you to have it. I want you to have it all. Oh, I want you to have it all. All you can imagine. Oh, no matter what your path is, if you believe it, then anything can happen. Go, go, go. Raise your glasses. Go, go, go. You can have it. How about the musical acts from the class of 2019? Aren't they amazing? <laughs> Seniors, you are an amazing class. By every metric, you've distinguished yourselves as leaders at Aspen High School. Ladies and gentlemen, academic, academically, 96 of our seniors will graduate with honors, and 47 students here had a GPA of 4.0 or higher. 111 of the 129 seniors accepted the challenge of at least one IB course, and many of them took more. 95% will attend college in the fall, 3% are in a gap year. Of those students, 88% will be enrolled in a four-year institution. Our students will attend 67 different colleges. In athletics, we had 19 postseason appearances, seven league championships, three undefeated programs, one All-American honor, four individual state champions, three state championships in boys golf, boys alpine and Nordic skiing. The class of 2019 had over 7,500 hours of community service with opportunities that range from peer-to-peer -peer tutoring, Summit for Life, and to providing assistance at our college fair and ski swap events. 46 of the seniors behind me had over 100 hours of community service this year. My hope for you today is that each of you take the time and look within yourselves and find what it is that will truly make you both happy and successful, and that you have the strength of character to not let that all-important choice be made by circumstance, default, or even worse, by someone else. 
I'm reminded of a story recounted by former Tonight Show uh, talk, ho talk show host Jay Leno upon his first meeting with the late President Ronald Reagan. President Reagan asked Jay, what kind of student were you in high school? To which Jay Leno answered, I was a horrible student. I had C's and D's mostly. And President Reagan responded, me too. Can you imagine what we could have accomplished had we applied ourselves? I tell you this story to illustrate that when predicting the potential of young people any measure, whether a national test, local newspaper, a high school, or college, we can all get it horribly wrong. Ultimately, the potential for success lies within you, and each of you truly have the power to shape that future you want for yourselves. You know you've reached the pinnacle of success when the most important person from whom you seek approval is yourself. Class of 2019, we began our time together at Aspen four years ago, and I have to tell you that I'm grateful to you and that you will always hold a special place in my heart. You'll be sorely missed not only by me, by, but also by the staff and all the other students at Aspen High School. And as alumni, you will always be welcome in its halls. For once a skier, Dr. John Malloy, the seniors before us have satisfied the graduation requirements set forth by the Aspen's Board of Education. On behalf of the entire staff at Aspen High School and the Aspen community, I present these seniors to you, representing the Board of Education, to accept this senior class for diploma distribution. Nicholas Wolfgang Galumbos. Mary Tarver Ellis Reed. Joshua Gray Etkin. Sophia Camille Springfield. Joshua Franklin Ulfelder. Cole Henry Peterson. Jacqueline Andrade. Benjamin Charles Appleby. <laughs> Linnell Tanueco Azarkan. <laughs> Nicholas Alexander Barlazzini. <laughs> Jay 
James Joseph Bates. Elizabeth Rose Becker. Reed R. Beidelman. Samuel Hayden Blakesley. Kaylani Skye Brennis Scarpacy. Emily Rose Brenninger. Chloe Roy Bretman. Emily Printha Brinks. Donovan Anthony Bronstein. Davy Elena Brown. Miles Congdon Brundage. Emily Blythe Buckalter. Linda Lou Bullioni. Madison Lynn Burns. Julia Elizabeth Burwell. Alexander Michael Bicey. Charles Henry Campisi. Johanna Elizabeth Cañas. India Rose Cardamone. Olivia Lee Carr. <laughs> Sophie Fouquet Chase. Kate Faye Citrin. Samuel Reese Cox. Zoe Rose Kramer. Mason Zachary Dubuff. Ashlyn Michelle Dunn. 
Elizabeth Abigail Easterling. James Lund Foster Easterling. Lillian Hannah Easterling. Emma Catherine Ellis. Emma Rose Ernst. Nolan Patrick Fari. Anastasia Alexandra Ferlisi. Hudson Caitlin Flynn. Wyatt Tristan Franzen. Melissa Morgan Geisberg. Henry Charles Gillum. Erica Michelle Goth. Tyler Lynn Green. Zoe Annabelle Guthrie. Jasmine Kiana Hansen. Kaylin Sue Harris. Seth Alexander Hartley. Julia Eloise Haugen. Phineas Patrick Henry. Noah Loki Hollander. Jackson Whittem Holdback. Dawson Taylor Holmes. Garrett Philip Hughes. Jack Morgan Hughes. Alexander Robert Illich. 
Aiden Fox Jacobs. Cooper Derek Johnson. Dylan Reed Ingmar Johnson. Jack Peter Junquist. Samuel Theodore Kahn. McKenna Marie Kiker. Kai Ryer Copson. Vicente Ojeño Lagarigue. Dominic Charles Lenice the Fourth Ava Estelle Lasolette Morgan Lee Leisure Brooke Elizabeth Leibinger John Kissler Thompson Linehan. Ethan William Lynn. Kemper Gabriel Locke. Jesse Gabriel Lopez. Tulula Catherine Jaure Marolt. Clara Ruthine Maxwell. Carter Thomas McAllister. Margot Doris McHugh. Austin Claire Michaels. Drew Evan Cosmo Miller. Sarah Ellen Miller. Tate Nathaniel Miller. Maria Claire Mitchell. Henry Vernon Morrison.
Luca Mauro Yeager. Arnold Morigi Muasa. Gaia Grace Murphy. Ellie Wilder Oates. Alexander Julian Olson. Everett Gary Olson. Edgar Ortiz. Taylor Holly Patillo. Bliss Catherine Pacala. Zachary Scott Peterson. Tate Alexander Rank. Randall Taylor Garland Reed Stephen Eric Knight Sierra Jordan Reeves Juna Louisa Reddig. Jaden Lee Richardson. Devise Andres Roa Mena. Reese Elizabeth Rozier. Lillian Bartholomew Royer. Fernando Ruiz Zuniga. Zaya Riley Sachs. Sophie Yetta Schlosser. Aiden James Smagala.
Claudia Givana Smart. Keegan Michael Smitty. Ryan James Sovich. Ashley Nicole Springer. Estelle Ann Sweeney. Trey Hollis Thorpe. Ansley Natasha Totten Rone. Sabrina June Turbidy. Leslie Jeanette Vargas Martinez. Lucas Valentino Velasquez. Job Beck Volman. Annabelle Catherine Ward. Colt Wilcox Whitley. Mary Patricia Williams. Pascal Montana Wojcik. Grace Elizabeth Yeary. Catherine Langtot Yoakum. Sabrina Brooke Zanier. And Coulter Edmund Slack Zwig. As superintendent of schools for the Aspen School District, I certify that each of you has met or exceeded the requirements for high school graduation set forth by the state of Colorado, 
the Colorado Department of Education, and the Aspen School District's Board of Education. Therefore, it is my distinct privilege and pleasure to proclaim to all present and beyond that you are indeed graduates of Aspen High School. On behalf of the Board of Education and as its president, I accept the superintendent's certification and I certify that the students have been awarded their high school diplomas. Hoo-ah. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we'll have our head girl, Mary Tarver Reed, and our head boy, Nick Galambos, lead our graduates in the changing of the tassels. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Aspen High School's graduating class of 2019. <laughs> 